0: Delta Airlines believes that you should feel at home, even if you're 30,000 feet above it. Learn more at Delta.com. This episode is brought to you by Happy Mammoth. Listen, over the last weekend, I went to a family reunion. And unfortunately, that fell on that particular time of the month that all of the women know what I'm talking about. So I had an attitude. I wanted to eat everything. And I was in the South, which means I wanted to eat everything that was terrible for me. And overall, I just wasn't feeling it. I had a great time, just wasn't feeling like myself. Now it's easier to manage PMS with estro control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast. I'm really excited. I say I'm excited every week, but I'm really, really excited about today's episode because I get to talk to, on this platform, somebody that's very, very near and dear to my heart. Her name is Mrs. Tanya Lofty. She's an entrepreneur. She is a prophet. She's a woman of God. She's a mom, and she's just everything to a lot of people, especially me. And the way you've blessed my life, I can't even put it into words. And for me, the fact that, you know, I consider myself somebody who didn't grow up in church, wasn't involved in a bunch of ministries. I got saved, saved in my closet and been rocking with God since then. But at the same time, I've always recognized the need for wisdom And the need for people, I'm just good at knowing that I don't know something or I need somebody wiser than me to pour into me. It's so funny. The opportunity came when me and BJ were engaged and we were looking for premarital counselors. We were given like a list of couples and immediately I was like, oh, Tanya and Virgil. I didn't even know them like that. I don't know. I was just very (laughs) adamant about those are the people who need to be talking to us. And I know it was God, but at the time I was just like, I don't know something about them. We need them. And so that was really like the foundation for you just being such a pivotal figure in my life. Like I'm always calling you, trying to run something past you, getting your wisdom or something, seeing what you think on something. And so This lady, I'm like talking to her and y'all at the same time, but she has really (laughs) blessed life. So I'm just so happy to have you on this platform. And I just want to welcome you officially to the platform that you hear me talk so much about. Hi, baby. (laughs) There you go. Hi, baby. (laughs) Thank you.
1: I appreciate that. I love you very
0: much. (laughs) I love you more. So the reason why I wanted to interview you finally on the show is because there are a lot of us who are. Young women, I mean, I feel kind of old for real, but (laughs) young-ish, I guess. (laughs) But there are a lot of us who truly just have hearts to serve God. Um, A lot of people who listen to the show who are trying to break out of that religious space Mm -hmm. and really understand what true relationship with God is like. And I think you being somebody who's been in ministry for 20-something years, who is mature spiritually, will be a good person to come on the show and have this conversation with. Because, you know, I always say this, like when I reach my capacity, I know it and I'm okay with that. And so I thought it would be great to kind of have you on here to bring an extra level of wisdom on this platform to help those who are trying to build a real authentic relationship with God. So let's actually start from the beginning of your faith walk. So tell us when you originally got saved, and how you've been able to still live a life for God all of these years later,
1: wow. Well, I got saved. I was about twenty two. I was very young. And I would start there. I mean, I was filled with Holy Spirit when I was nine. My mom actually left the church for a period of time, and then she came back into the church. and so I was still doing my own thing, you know, and I've been very candid about my life. And I think that's the biggest piece that you have to be candid so that others can be free. Yeah. So while I'm not pleased with what I'd done in my past, it is just that it's my past. And so doing whatever I wanted to do, being very promiscuous and things like that. I decided one day that I wanted to rededicate and give my life back to the Lord. And so from that day at 22, some people may say that's young, but if you look biblically, David and people of that nature, they were called at a very young age. And Mm -hmm. so there's no better time than when you hear this message to give your life back to the Lord. And so I was 22, you know, I had done it my way. I thought I knew everything like most young people do (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you have forever. So I rededicated my life to the Lord and I was fully committed to the things of God. You know, I served in many capacities throughout the years, but I believe I was like 23 and I was over the baptism committee. (laughs) Who does that? (laughs) But (laughs) I was over the baptism committee and I just served. Back then you had choirs. I was on the youth choir. I enjoyed going to church. Like I loved it. I love being in the house of the Lord. I just really did. And I'm very grateful for that because I did it my way. I feel like my experience was almost like a Saul turned Paul, you know, Saul, even though he was persecuting, can you imagine that he was literally persecuting Christians. Mm -hmm. And then on the road to Damascus, he was smote and blind And to be sold out and to literally write like all of the New Testament, (laughs) just about, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's a testament to the goodness of God. And I believe that is my life. And it's a testament to just how good God is. And so I served in the house of the Lord. I think a lot of young women don't realize the precious value in that. You know, there's a safety in a multitude of counsel. And I'm not saying that. You're going to find it all there, but there's a safety. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. It, once you really fall in love with Christ and all of what that entails, which is the kingdom of God, you know, in the kingdom, no one's greater than the other, and we need each other. And mm-hmm. I think once you realize that, it helps you. But that was my stance and I served and then I met my husband and we served more. I mean, I think we were married maybe a year. They were waiting for us to just be married a year just for him to be ordained as a deacon. He was like the youngest (laughs) person on the deacon board back then, but we really just committed our lives to the Lord and serving in the house of God.
0: So going from then what your life was, BC, before Christ.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I was gangster before Christ. (laughs) I was bad, man. I was ratchet. I mean, not just with the promiscuity, but I was like a little thief. I was like, so I called myself a thief. I was just
0: out there. So how are you able to then maintain that commitment? Because I believe a lot of people, especially who listen to this show, their heart's desire is to truly live a life sold out and on fire for God. But with all of the influences now, especially with like technology and Social media and all of that, this fear of missing out because you're looking at everybody's highlight reel. All of that are kind of like tools that I believe that the enemy really uses to keep a lot of us backsliding or one foot in and one foot out, and making it that much harder for a lot of people to truly say, "No, I'm going to live this life out." And I know for me, when I was one foot in and one foot out, social media wasn't even big like that, and it was still hard. So, like, how were you able to? stick with it and not go back to the ratchet
1: (laughs) because I knew where the ratchet was leading the ratchet was going to lead me right into a grave and there's a way that seems right into a man but the end thereof is destruction and I knew I was headed for self-destruction since we're talking very candidly you know I had abortions I had two And the last one I had, I thought I was going to lose my life. I was bleeding, had blood clots, profuse. I mean, they were coming out. They were huge. Like, they could literally sit in the palm of my hand. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, I'm going to die. You know, I'm thinking, I'm going to die today. And I went to the hospital. I was by myself, the boyfriend or the fiancé slash boyfriend, whatever you want to call it, who I thought was there, wasn't there. And I'm in that room by myself trying to put this huge needle to suppress the bleeding. And I say, God, I don't want to die. And I was on the table crying. And I was like, I don't want to die. I knew I had to make a decision. It's for God I live or for God I die. I mean, literally, that's it. And I would rather go on this side than on the other side, because on the other side, you don't know. There's an assurity when your soul is anchored in God. You know, we're in a time frame now where a lot of calamity is going on, but there's an assurity that you can have when you can literally rest in him. And I didn't have that. And you don't have that piece is not a piece that money can buy. You can have all the things in the world. But if you don't have peace in your soul, I mean, you are in trouble.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I think that perspective is rooted in understanding of who God is and the promises that he has for us as people who are anchored in him. But I think what happens is when it comes to a faith walk, because you said that you served in ministry and in church and things like that. And so I know even from my experience personally, it's been hard to find places. And thankfully, I have a multitude of counsel that isn't under per se a building. And so I really thank God for that. I can call people like you and others and have wisdom, but it's hard to find a church where they're able to really do that. You know, as we can see now, a lot of people are turning, especially millennials in this age group are turning from the church. I'm going to ask a church question about identifying the right place. Mm -hmm. But before we get there, though, for those who are building that one-on-one relationship for themselves to truly understand the things of God and may not have that church home, where do they go? Or where do they start? I think it
1: starts with you acknowledging Jesus as your Lord and Savior. See, it's one thing to acknowledge that he's God. But it's another when you can say he's your Lord and your savior, because there are many people who will profess to know the Lord Jesus Christ, but that doesn't mean that they do. It's about your relationship. And one thing about a relationship, you're going to tell people about it, right? When you met BJ, when you met your husband, it's like, oh man, and you spent time with him. If you're spending time with the father, it's going to show. And one thing about something that we want, we're going to go after it. Right? So Mm -hmm. if I say I love God, it's going to show in my actions. It's going to show in how I treat people. And how do I get to know God best? Through and by his word. God says he and his word are one. And so this is how you build a relationship. So you want to get to know the father, get into his word. And that's what I did. I would, even before I got married, I fasted. I had a consistent fasting day. I would take my lunch break and I would just go and fast and read the word of God. And I would spend time in prayer. And so that is how I built my relationship with the Lord. And I think it's vitally important because there are a lot of voices that speak to us today and a lot of things that speak to us, but nothing should supersede the voice of God and the word of God.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that is the biggest piece. And so I really believe that there's nothing that can't be found in the word of God to help you direct your life. And when you have that personal relationship with God, that he's going to speak to you about even the minute things. I mean, look at what he gave us, 66 books. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If we want wisdom, and if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. But how do you know these things? By getting into the word of God and developing your relationship with God. And that's going to take you wanting God over everything. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really good. And a couple of things that you said that I want to point out, you said when it came to really living a life for Christ, you had to understand where your current life was leading you. And so I think that's something that a lot of us who, or a lot of people that's listening who are struggling with being saved, saved, as I call it, which mm-hmm. basically means like living a life of obedience versus kind of being in that lukewarm state or struggling with the same sins and it's, they don't seem to go away. Like really sitting back and spending time with yourself and being like, where is this leading me? And be honest. I think when it comes to spiritual things that we get so deep that we forget how to be practical. Mm -hmm. And if we really just practically sit down and think, where is this leading me? Because we may get into the mindset of like, oh, I can't. We may think we're losing something if we're living for God or if we make it so complicated in our head or if we make it feel like it's way too hard, yeah, it's difficult, but where is what we're doing right now leading us? Where is my lifestyle leading me? And if it's leading me to destruction, then I need to change it. Because no matter how fun it may be to my flesh, if it's leading me to destruction, then that's something that I need to change. And so I really wanted to just reiterate that point that you said. And something else that you said was, We have to understand him as our savior. And I think that's the really great starting point after you realize where your life is leading you is recognize that God is your savior. I did an interview before this and we talked about the old Testament and we were saying like back then the rule, it was a life for a life. You sin, it's over. You know what I mean? That's why they made sacrifices because a life had to be lost to make up for what you did. And thankfully, Jesus came. So we ain't got to, you know, be just dropping dead like flies out here. <laughs> but at the same time, if you sit and really think about that, that's going to make you really love God, that he's your savior, that even with me being one foot and one foot out, he still loves me. Even when I've been running from him, he has never left me or forsaken me. And for me, I put myself in that space a lot because I'm just in awe of how much God loves me. You know what I mean? And I believe that the great place to start with building that relationship is to think about how much he really loves you and how much we don't deserve it, but he still loves us. Amen. I
1: love that because if we really look at the price that was paid for us, it will cause you to have a different perspective. And I mean, literally, like you said, for God to love me, through all of my mess, through every abortion, through every promiscuous act to give me life, right? hmm And to know that he loved me that much, that he's been there the whole time, that he never leaves, never forsakes, right? That he mm-hmm. never turns his back, that every lash on his back that every scar, nail, and every piercing on his body, because the thorns pierced his head, to include the piercing of the crown in his head, the nails in his hands and in his feet, to know that he loved me that much, to give himself. See, that's one thing we got to understand. We think we're giving up something, but he gave up everything. Mm -hmm. And when we realize that, okay, I can't go in the bedroom, okay, I can't keep smoking or I can't have the alcohol or I can't have the hookah or whatever that may be. But what I am gaining is life. Mm -hmm. And I think because the flesh likes what it likes. And I think that a lot of times, no, you don't want to give it up, but it's a choice that you have to make. And that's the bottom line is it? he tells us to choose I've set before you blessings and curses. You choose life. You have to choose life. You have to choose it. And so God is such a gentleman. He's not going to force you to ever do anything. <laughs> you know, he's just not going to do it. But at the end, it's going to speak. And what you want is your life to be a representation of him. And yeah. you've known me for a while. I'm sold out. You know, it doesn't mean I've always gotten it all right. You know, at some point we have to put down our excuses and we have to say, okay, listen, it's for God I live or for God I die. To live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, this is all scripture. Paul loved God so much. He was just like, I don't care. You know, nothing else matters. I really feel like that was my experience. It's like nothing else matters. I don't care what you think of me because if God's not pleased with me, then what you say means nothing because I have to stand before him.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: there's an audience of one that we will all face one day. And I know we don't like to hear that, but there's an audience of one and your excuses won't matter. And so mm-hmm. I believe that we really have to do the word. And the word of God cuts like a two-edged sword. It cuts me. It still cuts me. I'm not above it. You know what I mean? But it's okay because God loves us that much that he would give us all of this so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. So for all the promiscuity and all of the things that the enemy was presenting to me, God has something better. I've been married for 22 years. Whoop. In May, you know, and no, I didn't come from a family that had it all together. Me and my husband both came from broken homes, didn't have examples of a marriage, but our kids will never know that life. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And for me, it's such a blessing in that. No, every day hasn't been great, but it's a blessing. I'm leaving a heritage and a lineage of a legacy that my children, all they know is God. (laughs) You know what I mean? All Mm -hmm. they know is, okay, they've seen mommy and daddy go to church and love God and walk through life. They've never seen us not go to church. And I'm not putting an emphasis so much on going to a building, but the church is a gathering place, but
0: we are the church as well. That's good. One thing you said is, all my children know is God what about the woman whose children know a lot you know she wasn't saved before she got married the marriage may be rocky if you know there's just things that's going on and she is trying to live a life for God she is trying to show her children better but because of the trauma or things that have gone on, It's very difficult to do that. And I don't even usually talk about this. So I know it may be somebody who's listening to this who may be dealing with that. How do we then begin to pick up the pieces of where our decision-making has brought us and then take us and our families and turn back to God and really show our children and ourselves different? I think you pick it up piece by piece. And I think you allow
1: God to mend the broken places, but that's going to take you being real and honest before the Lord. I'm not talking about before people, you know, when Jesus Jesus. met the woman at the well, she was not perfect. She was not a perfect person. She did not have it all together. He actually told her the one you're with isn't even your husband. (laughs) Wow. But to him, it meant nothing is what he was pretty much trying to say. Mm -hmm. And I believe that was Mary Magdalene because she was one of the first people at the tomb when he left because she was like, this man changed my life. And he told her, just go and sin no more. Even the Mm -hmm. widow woman. So God didn't leave anybody out. (laughs) That's what I love about him. He didn't leave anybody out. So yes, you had a broken relationship. It didn't work out, but you pick up the pieces and you allow God to mend you and heal you, your soul. See, we're three part being, right? We have a mind, will, and emotions. That's the soulish part of that part of us, but we have our spirit. And that's the part I'm speaking to is your spirit. You need to allow God to heal your spirit and you need to be open and honest before him know how to love a man. I didn't even love myself. But what God told me, it was like, no, I need to clean you up. Let me heal you. And he told me he loved me. And I'm thinking nobody will ever love me, God. You know, like nobody would want to love me or be married to me, you know, because I'm thinking I'm too dirty, but I'm not. I wasn't. And I think whomever you are, you need to understand You're not too broken that God can't mend you. You're not beyond repair. Hmm.
0: That's so good. That's so good.
1: And I see God like literally putting like a vase, you know, a vase when it breaks, the pieces are all broken. mm -hmm. They're all over the place. But what happens when you start to put it back together? It becomes a masterpiece again. It was already a masterpiece. See, we're already made in the image and likeness of God. We just need to understand how we're made. Mm. And once we understand that he calls us beautiful, that he calls us friend, it brings a different perspective. He calls us a royal priesthood in a chosen generation. What, you talking to me, God? Yeah, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I call you royal I call you holy. I call you righteous. And so it's not through and by your works, but you have to put away dead works.
0: This episode is brought to you by Stamps.com. So we all know that we have to avoid crowds right now. But what if you need to go to the post office? And what if you need postage so that you could send out letters and packages? Don't worry, Stamps.com is here to help. Anything that you can do at the post office, you can do at Stamps.com. You can print postage on demand and skip those lines and crowds at the post office. Plus, you actually can save some money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com brings all of the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer in the safety and comfort of your own home. Whether you're a small business sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or you're just working from home and need to mail some stuff out, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere that you want to send it. Then once your mail is ready, just leave it for your mail carrier You can schedule a free pickup or drop it in a mailbox. No human contact is required. It's that simple. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, especially now, saving you time and money and keeping you safe in these crazy times. Right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Blessed that's stamps.com enter code blessed let's get back to the show whocha <laughs> <Ooh, child. laughs> <laughs> So when we talk about intimacy cuz this is all intimacy with God like this being vulnerable with him and him putting the pieces of us back together a huge component of that is the ability to truly hear from him so that you can obey and do the things that he needs you to do in the healing process. But a lot of people, they ask, especially like on this show, they struggle with hearing from God or they struggle with identifying God's voice. So what would you tell those as far as how to hear from God for themselves?
1: I would say you need to get into the word of God. There's no other way. And I'm not going to tell you to go to a circumstance you may be going through. That's because now you're just trying to find a quick fix in order to understand God and who he is. You have to know his word. And I'm not saying you're going to know everything verbatim, but you need to get into the word because the word is, what's going to sharpen you. The word is, what's going to keep you. The word is what you have to hide in your heart. And so that is the best way. I mean, I think I started like Matthew. I just started in the New Testament, you know, mm-hmm. and I just would read. I would read during my lunch breaks. You know, I, I would. And I fell in love with God. He always loves us, right? Everybody loves to quote John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, right? But when do you fall in love with the God who gave his life for you? Mm. When do you reciprocate that love? And so again, when you love somebody, let's take a child, right? Or whatever it may be, because some people love their riches. Some people love their house. You know, you put time and effort and energy into it, right? You're not going to let anybody just come in and destroy it. Right. If you have invested something, so it's the same thing with God. I'm going to put time and energy and effort into being with God. I don't want to do anything that would bring dishonor to him. You know, I want him to be glorified in my situation. And I want people to look at my life and say, something's different. There's a light that's not me. It's the light of Christ within me. So if I can show somebody the light of Him, because it's going to exude. You know how you meet somebody new. You know when you met BJ. I'm not saying the woo woo is over, but man, you had (laughs) a my boo. (laughs) That's my boo. (laughs) Yeah, you know you had a smile when you see him. It ignites something in you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's like, oh my gosh, I love him. This is precious to me. So it's the same way because it's a
0: relationship. Mm -hmm. So speaking of relationship, how do then those who may have grown up in religion,
1: right? Mm. So they
0: know all of the man-made laws. I call Mm -hmm. it like a rule book. Honestly, what kept me one foot in and one foot out for so long because I felt like everybody was trying to give me a mask to put on and I just didn't feel right to me. And so I was kind of like, well, you know what, if y'all are sitting here talking to me about this rule book, and nobody's talking about anything else, like I'm good on that. You know what I mean? But it wasn't until I really started living for God that I realized like, yes, there's a standard. But... If I gave him my heart, he will clean that up. If Mm. I gave him my heart and I fell in love with him, then now it's not about what I can't do. It's about I want to please him so much. I'm willing to give all of that stuff up. And then once I'm doing it, it's like, whoa, this is so much better. Like, (laughs) It's lit over here. (laughs) The world is dark and sad and confusing and You know, you out turning up at the club, you come home, you wake up, the whole day gone because you got a hangover, you got to find something to eat, drink some water. Like, it's so much. (laughs) Yeah. It leads to just so much unnecessary things, but really falling in love with God and living for him, even through the difficult decisions that you have to make. For me, it just feels so good, and, and I feel just so... I don't even know how to describe it, but just the way that I feel pleasing God and the happiness and the joy and the peace and the protection that I feel knowing that I am pleasing God is just indescribable for me. But that came from relationship, but in a lot of people have been taught religion. So how do they get out of the lenses of relationship to get into a real relationship with God?
1: Yeah, you have to get out of religion. And I know you mentioned, this is a good segue even into church, you know, because I would admonish you to read up on the seven churches and that's how you're going to get to understand what is going on. Awesome time. I know it doesn't seem like it right now, but God is literally shaking up the whole world. And it's like, you're either going to love me or you're not. But to speak to the religion, religion has come into play because people are doing the work, but they've left God out. And this is how it should be because we do need to watch the fruit of a person. If what you're saying out of your mouth, and not just what you're saying out of your mouth, what I see behind closed doors doesn't line up, Mm -hmm. with what you are presenting me with, which is religion, you know, and we get dressed up, we get all dressed up and put on our makeup, which I want to call a Halloween mask. (laughs) You know, you could have saved all that money. You could have invested that in something and not went there. (laughs) I mean, and it's not even about that. It's not. It's not. Jesus met people right where they are. It was a man sitting at the gate called Beautiful. The woman with the issue of blood wasn't worried about what she had on. She said, God, if I could just touch the hem of your garment, I could be made whole. So it's about a relationship. It's about relationship. It's not about religion. In some places, it's so much erroneous doctrine because you do need to know the dispensation we live in of time that we're in. It's really bad when it comes to that. But you have to make sure that you have a relationship with God. Nobody has to talk to God for you. You can talk to God himself. (laughs) That's why Jesus came because man couldn't do it anymore. You know, in the Old Testament, the priest had to go in, but now Jesus is like, okay, that's not going to work anymore. (laughs) I'll be the second Adam and I'll come in and I'll give my life so that you can come straight and boldly to the throne of grace. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that's what we have to do. We have to know that. And I think that it's such a facade to think that you can't actually live for God and have fun and be holy, because that's one word that is kind of left the church. That's left the church building <laughs> is just living a lifestyle that's unto God. Like you said, it's pleasing unto God, and pleasing unto God is holy. And so I believe that once we get a revelation of that and just understand that you can't live, it's just, who are you going to live for?
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah, who are you going to live for? And I would rather live for him than to live my own way and to get to the end of this life
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and know that... (laughs) I'm not going to spend eternity with him. I can't imagine that. I just cannot imagine to have things. And, you know, and I'm not saying I don't believe in having things, but all of this is temporal. So that's what we have to understand that it has its place. It's temporal. So that's the biggest piece for me. And I just knew that I was going on a road. And I didn't want to go there. And I didn't want to die at 21. Who wants to do that? You know, but I had to make choices that were going to yield me something. And when I say yield me something, I mean an eternal reward, not something, you know, dividends here. <laughs> like we like to say dividends. I want my dividends. And I'm grateful because to see women like you, and I know there are other women that are listening. And you need to know where your value lies, because even when you do get married, I mean, I have a wonderful husband, I do, but he can't even put a price on me. Mm -hmm. My price is far above rubies. (laughs) I have a high price tag on me. So even with that, I can't put him above God. You understand? I honor my husband. But I can't put him or anything before God. And so I think, ladies, beautiful women of God, you're going to have to make some choices. You're going to have to make some choices. And you're going to have to choose who you're going to serve. You're going to have to choose. And it's not a
0: hard choice if you really love them. So you said something really important. Like even in your marriage, you can't put your husband above God. And I believe a lot of women in particular, we go into a lot of different things, very well meaning, you know, we get involved in church because we want to serve the Lord. You know, we want to be the Proverbs 31 woman. We want to be the mother that our children leave. We want to leave this inheritance, but what happens a lot of the times is somehow something gets off. Mm. And if we're not mindful of it, it can stay that way and manifest into something that's just way out of control. What I'm trying to say is, I believe a lot of us start off with good intentions, but then the things or the roles or the titles or mm. the responsibilities then become more important than God. And so, with you, you're a mom, you're in ministry, you're a wife, you run a business. What are some practical ways that women can really make sure that we are, yes, doing things in decency and order? Yes, we are serving our responsibilities to each of these things well, but we're also making sure that we're ultimately in right standing as far as what God wants us to do. And we're still spending that time with him and not allowing our lives to get too noisy.
1: Yeah. Life can get very noisy. I mean, like I said, when we first started, it was just me and my husband and we were in ministry. We talked about things and then we had children. You know, once you're married, you have to create a time. And I was, it may be, you have to get up 10 minutes earlier. It may be once everybody goes to bed where you really get that intimate time with the Lord It could be in your car. I mean, I honestly think it should be all during the day. I have moments with the Lord all day, but I understand that to whom much is given, much is required. And Mm -hmm. I think we have to be realistic because when you're single, you can think on the things of God. You don't have to worry about all of that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. When you get married, you are going to think on some things of the world because you are married. You do have a husband, you know, and you do have the children, And I think the biggest perspective for me was, okay, first my relationship with God. And then it's like, okay, God, you bless me with the husband. You bless me with the children. You know, so I think we look so much outside. Sometimes we don't realize that we have everything right there before us in our hands. Like God has blessed us to be able to nurture And You look at a Proverbs 31 woman, she did all of that. She did all of that. And, you know, it's the same thing. I mean, business, ministry, I have children, you know, and you don't have to ever put on a facade if it's too much or if it's something you can't do. Hey, I can't do this at this moment. If it's something that's continuously disrupting your household, you got to kind of think about those things. You may have to cut some things away. You may have to step away from a ministry. And I think that's the biggest facade, especially talking about leadership. You don't have to put on a facade for anybody. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You want to make sure your house is right and your soul is right. I've always been the type of person, if I didn't agree with something or I feel that it's going another way, or I feel like it's taking too much time away from my household or something, me and my husband talk about it. I may have to step down from something and guess what? It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay to readjust your life and realign because I don't want to lose my family. You understand? I'm not losing my family for anybody because God gave me my family. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we just have to put those things in perspective. And yes, time management is a big thing, but spending that time with God and think about the Proverbs 31, your children shall rise and call you blessed listen, I've been in business for 14 years. I've been in school. I've done all of these things. I've been a caregiver for my mom, for parents, but it's how we manage it. And I didn't do it alone. My husband has been a huge, I don't know. I couldn't have gotten through any of the things really that I've gotten through without him, but that's because of our union. And so speaking to the mom who may not have that help, you know, because I didn't forget what you said about that. God will send people to minister to you. God will send people to assist you. And God will allow you to raise your family in the things of God. There's not one way that God works. I mean, look what he did for the widow woman. And then look what he did for the woman with the issue of blood. Look what he did for... Tatum, look what he did for me and look what he can do for you.
0: That's good. I'm glad you said that. And also touching on stepping away from things that need to be stepped away from. Cause I actually had a question somebody submitted a while ago and you know me, when I reach my capacity or I feel like I don't got the answer, I don't try. Right. So She was actually dealing with that. She was serving heavily in her ministry and then she was building her business and then things weren't, going well as far as her household is concerned. And she was so committed to the church that her husband now was seemingly rebelling a bit against God because of pretty much how things were going on. But as I was reading, what I could tell is like her intentions were pure because, you know, serving in church because I want to serve the Lord. And I believe a lot of women and people get to that point where you're serving God and you're looking at this as service unto the Lord So you feel torn in a sense when other areas like your marriage or your home life start to be affected because turning away from ministry in their mind might be turning away from God. How does somebody navigate that? Yeah, you know, me and my
1: husband have had these conversations and sometimes you can be more committed to the church and the people And see, this is where you can get lost. If things start unraveling, you need to have a conversation. I mean, me and my husband have had very hard conversations, but it was okay because they needed to be had. You know, okay, well, wait a minute. I remember when I was starting my business and, you know, I told you I love God. So I wanted to go to school for ministry and do a business. And he said to me, well, how are you going to do both? You know, and I think I was homeschooling our children at the time. And he was like, wait a minute, Tanya, that's a lot. You know, have you thought about that? You know, what he said to me was, your business is your baby right now. Mm -hmm. And you have to nurture your baby. And I'm like, what? (laughs) But it was true. And so it's a prioritizing things. You know, I'm a firm believer that ministry should not break up a marriage. That is something's wrong. Something is vitally wrong if ministry breaks up your marriage. And I'm not talking about if you're in a controlling or abusive relationship. So please hear me on that. That is something that you really need to look at and possibly get out of if the person isn't willing to change. But it has to be conversations and you may have to step back from something. You know what I mean? You really may have to step back or reevaluate or just change the way something is done. That's why I say if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, God, how do I work through this situation? How do I navigate it? And I think that's a big piece. See, the relationship with God is twofold. So it's not just him giving you information. It's you getting information and asking him to lead you. The Proverbs 31 woman, I mean, she was making beautiful garments and raising her. I mean, it's possible. It's just if things get too much, you need to think about it. It may just, you need to step back for a while, or maybe it's your time to relinquish that. I think we get so hung up on titles or what we're doing that, We feel like we can't let it go, you know, like, oh, it's not going to work if I don't do it. Well, who says it won't, (laughs) you know, maybe you need to add a staff person now, maybe you Mm -hmm. need to add someone to the leadership team, you know, because the bottom line is things should still run if you're not there. What if you're not there
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and outside of your house, I'm not talking about your household, but. What if you're not there? And if something is detrimental to your health or literally where you about to, you know, have heart failure or something to that degree. Oh, no. I'm a firm believer in that, because if you're gone, they're going to have to go on anyway. Mm -hmm. So I just say you need to really think about that. And if it's too much, it's too much. That doesn't mean you don't love God. As long as you're accountable in your assignments or whatever you said you would do, and you say, hey, I need to take a break. And if leadership can't respect that, that's on them. But it shouldn't come in between you and your spouse. Because if your spouse is not loving, if it puts a bad taste in your spouse's mouth, that's a problem. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That's a problem. And you don't want that. Because as a woman, as a wise woman, we should
0: be able to win our husbands
1: with our conversation.
0: (laughs) That's good. That's good. And I'm glad you brought that up because especially you and Virgil sitting and talking and he was like, okay, (laughs) because Virgil missed the practical. (laughs) Yes, girl. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Because it's so funny because you are so like, yeah, we're going to do this. (laughs) I'm going to do that. And he's like, Okay. However, what so I can only imagine how that conversation went. I'm cracking up. Just think about it. But it takes me back to a story when we
1: first got married and I was so gun ho you know, oh, I want babies. And he was like, oh no, <laughs> wait a minute. We can the house first. <laughs> let's back it up. Cause you know, I am, you know, I'm like, let's go, let's go. And he's like, okay, hold on. We need a plan, which right. is most men, you know, mm-hmm. they want to see a plan. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll get to that in a minute. And he's like, no, we're going to get to it now. And
0: I don't want y'all listening to this to think it's like a buzzkill. No, but if you're one, you come together to make these decisions. And I love it because it's like you're able to balance each other out. It's not too much of nothing. It's okay. Let's come together as one unit. We're the lofties this is how we're going to do things. But I'm glad you brought it up because me and BJ were talking earlier and, you know, BJ is like heavily involved in my business. He'd just be doing whatever. He'd be like, oh, I'm about to do this. i am like, cool. Because I know that whatever decision he makes is going to be great for the business. It's going to be great for our household. And I just trust his leadership, period. I don't care if my face don't think on everything or whatever, I trust his leadership. And so we were talking and he was like, do you think that, us working together in the business has like strengthened or brought us closer together in our marriage. And I was like, I think so. Cause for me, I was like, it wasn't separate anymore because before he became involved and well, this was before we got married and listen, I'm good for being like, I'm not your wife until you sign these papers. (laughs) So (laughs) ain't everything going to be (laughs) okay. But um But after we got married, you know, I trust him. So he involved in everything. But I was like, yeah, because I don't have two lives. I'm not running my business and then I have to be your wife. You know, It's all one thing, if that makes sense. And we could connect on a deeper level because we're building something together and you get excited about it and I get excited about it. So that led to like a conversation about a lot of people that we know and a lot of people in our generation who are married. Is very surface level. And I think mm-hmm. that that even starts prior to marriage because a lot of us desire the wedding and the ring and the prettiness and the vanity and the hashtag relationship goals that we neglect the deeper things because we want that so bad. And so I wanted you to talk a bit because I don't want to forget the large group of our audience who are either newly married or desiring marriage, just talking a bit about the importance of who you decide to become one with and like, what are some things that you look out for in that courting process? Like when I talk to people about marriage or my single friends and they want to get married, I'm like, calm that desire down a little bit. And not to say like, you can't desire to be married, but I think if you make anything too big, you get blind spots in a sense where you're not noticing these red flags because you don't bought the dress. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So what are the things that those single people who are listening can look for so that when they do become wives and they're growing as far as like their responsibilities, they can make sure they're growing with the right person?
1: Let me speak to that group first, the group who wants to be married. You definitely want to make sure that one, you're equally yoked. And when I say that, we actually talked about this and... You know, some people think, oh, because they're in the church, we're equally yoked. No, no, and no. One, you need to go to marriage counseling. I don't care what anybody says. I believe that you should get some marriage counseling so that you can talk through these issues because it does help you to see through the blind spots. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, because the bottom line is you're not going to be dressed up all the time. You're not going to be having sex all the time. No, that's not That's not marriage. That's not <laughs> all of what marriage entails. And you have to have the same, I won't say the same goals, but you at least have to know what each other's goals may be. And I'm not saying they don't change sometimes, but you can see the pattern of a person You know, my husband, I call him an eagle. He watches people. You know, he literally, (laughs) to me, he studies every, I'm like, you know, everything, but he studies me, you know, he studied me and, you know, he knows when something's off. He knows he's like, something's not right, you know? And so you all are going to have to use the wisdom of God because what your goal is, one is to spend till your last breath with this person. Mm. And so you're going to have to say, wait a minute, am I willing to deal with this? They're going to show everything. You can't say you didn't see it before. It's just, did you choose to ignore it? Because let me tell you what you can't do. You will not be able to change them. That part. Don't (laughs) even think about it. (laughs) It's not going to happen. You can't change them. And so I guess it would go off. We talk about definitely all the time, your core standards, you know what I mean? Like, so if they're not going to church now and you still marry them, okay, well, what did you expect? You thought because you went to church, they were going to start going, you know, (laughs) you know, don't think you're going to change that person's behavior, you know, and make sure they're not doing it just to get with you. You know what I mean? Like, are they changed or trying to present one thing to you? I think you should ask God to reveal it to you because he will. Now, will you like what he reveals? Will you keep going? Then those are some things you have to, you know, <laughs> you're going to deal with it at some point to the woman who may have gotten saved and her spouse isn't, you know, because that happens I pray that you can win him with your conversation. I pray that you don't try to force the word on anybody. Don't bash him over the head with the word, but just live the life before them, you know, continue to be the wife that you are and allow them to see the God in you. Now you want them to change because you changed. No, you took time to change. <laughs> so you have to give them that same thing, that same amount of grace because there's going to have to be a level of grace for somebody who literally got saved within their marriage. That's something that I can't speak to, but there's a level of grace you're going to have to have. And I do believe God can extend that grace to you because he knew you were going to accept him when you did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, okay, now God help me to continue to love my husband and be what I need to be for him and for my family. Because your first ministry will always be in your home. Mm -hmm. Your first ministry is in your home because you can present a lot of things to a lot of people. But if the people that live in the four walls with you can't follow or don't believe in what you're talking about, then you've already blown your testimony and your witness. Mm -hmm. So don't witness to the world. And it says, if a man can't even rule his own house well, how can he rule over the house of God? If you can't rule your house well, you can forget everybody else. I want to make sure I'm good with the people in the four walls that I live with every day. I want my children, and I don't get it right with them all the time. And I go to them and I have to apologize. You know, it's not a one-way thing, but you can work through some things. I really believe so to the woman who wants to be married. Listen, there are a lot of great men that love God that are out there. Don't let what you see on whatever show make you think that all men are unfaithful. All men are just, you know, dogs. No, that's not the case. (laughs) That's not the case. It's not the case. There are men out there that do love God. And I think you just have to be patient enough to wait on God to send them to you because it does say he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And they are going to obtain favor from the Lord when they get with you. How you doing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Boom. (laughs) I'm glad that you did touch on that. We usually don't talk about relationships, on the podcast, because I'm like, listen, I've been married for two seconds. Let me just make sure we good over here, okay? <laughs> I ain't trying to be giving no marriage advice. I want to just focus on mine and make sure it stay healthy and that we good. You know, we've been quarantined together for three weeks. We've been having a good old time. So I'm like, okay, let me just continue to tend to this, and I'm not going to be trying to help nobody else with theirs. But one of the reasons I did want to have you on the show is because of all that comes to my head is like Titus too, that the older women are supposed to teach the younger women. So Mm -hmm. I definitely wanted to, you being somebody who has been married for over 20 years. And honestly, I attribute a lot to how healthy and, happy my relationship is to premarital counseling. I'll be in that joint. You remember crying like, I don't know. know." (laughs) Or we'll go home and have like the conversations that y'all tell us to have and with our little booklet. And I'm sitting there like, I don't even know we finna make it to this joint. (laughs) I'm thinking about, can the deposits get taken back for the, the venue? Like, I'm just sure, like, oh, no, Lord. I don't know. You really got to be the third <laughs> end in this joint because, oh, no. Tatum a little ratchet and <laughs> hard-headed and neck rolling. So, I don't know. You're going to have to change me, God. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, I just definitely wanted you to touch on that because it's so much wisdom for women to teach us younger women. And I'm always trying to keep my ear open to wisdom because I have no problem admitting I don't know everything and I don't want to. This episode is brought to you by Grammarly. A typo or grammar mistake can make a huge difference in context and understanding. Whether you're writing a professional report or a personal email, it can be hard to get the words right. Your writing software may give you a few suggestions, but that only goes so far. That's where Grammarly comes in to help you write confidently. Grammarly is the digital writing assistant that helps more than 20 million people put their best words forward. Signing up for a Grammarly account is totally free, and it gives you real-time spelling and grammar checks as you write. Also, it works where you work, so you can communicate with clarity and confidence on every platform. And if you want deeper insights on your writing, Grammarly Premium gives you advanced feedback on tone, word choice, punctuation, and more. I personally love Grammarly because it just runs in the background no matter where I am, whether I'm in my emails, whether I'm on social media, whether I am writing a blog post or whatever, it's running in the background and making sure that I'm saying and using the words that I need to use. My favorite part of the Premium version is the overall writing score that it gives me, uh, vocabulary suggestions, and I really love that it checks my tone. (laughs) You know, tone is so important, especially when you're writing things down. Harness the power of Grammarly on every platform with their desktop editor, browser plugin, and mobile apps. Improve your writing on all of your favorite sites and apps like Gmail, Outlook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and more. Don't just say it, Make a statement with clear, flawless text that's sure to impress. Get 20% off Grammarly Premium when you sign up at Grammarly.com slash blessed. That's 20% off Grammarly Premium at Grammarly.com slash blessed. G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot blessed. Let's get back to the show. The last thing though that I wanted to talk about before we wrap up is spiritual gifts. One thing that's really been heavy with what's going on right now, I've really been spending extended time with God. My little one hour prayer sessions, hour and a half, been like three and a half hours lately. Wow. Because I've just really like, God, what's up? Like it's past the protection. Like I know I'm protected. We ain't gotta worry about that. But what's going on, God? Am I doing what you need me to do? I'm sorry. Like, you know, there's been so much going on, like repenting and God, what do you need me to do? And how am I supposed to use my platform during this time? Cause I'm not about to be in here letting the world dictate, you know, the messages I give or I'm not trying to come up with stuff based off of what's going on in the world. I want to be a mouthpiece for you. Like this is your platform, what are we doing. And so I've really been spending a lot of time. And one of the things that Has come up a lot is spiritual gifts. And I do believe that right now, especially, is a time where God is calling a lot of us believers to use our spiritual gifts. And one thing I admire about you is how you, one, how you just accept your spiritual gift or your call to the office of a prophet, how you nurture and commit to that gift. How you handle the persecution that comes to that gift? I tell you all the time that <laughs> I would have been put the pause on somebody. Like, <laughs> God would have had to sit me down because I don't know how you handle all of that comes with it. But nevertheless, there are a lot of us who are afraid of our spiritual gifts. Maybe those of us who aren't even able to readily identify them. So can you speak a bit about identifying your spiritual gifts, cultivating those gifts and activating those gifts?
1: There's a gift assessment, a spiritual gift assessment that you can take. And I think that's where you start. It'll ask you a series of questions and then you answer those. And that's going to Help you to see where you are, and I don't have it in front of me. I wish I did, but your spiritual gifts will show whether there's exhortation, things of that nature. We're all called to prophesy, but everybody is not called to the office of a prophet. It's definitely uh it's very different, but as far as cultivating the gifts, you know if you're a teacher, man, you should be in the word <laughs> I mean, come on, if you're a teacher right? Fivefold ministry gifts. I mean, there are other gifts. Don't get me wrong. There's the gift of administration. There's all kinds of gifts. And one thing we need to know is that the gifts, they come from God. You know, even if you look at a doctor, one, I wouldn't last, you know, at all, but that's a gift. And that's a talent that the Lord has placed in you. He's placed uh, treasures in these earthly vessels. And so these are gifts that God has given us One, what are we going to do with the gift? And then as far as activation, it depends on if you're a teacher, you need to be in the word, you need to study, you need to be around Bible scholars, you know, and that's what you're going to do. If you're an evangelist, you should be going to the hedges and the highways and the byways. No way should you just be sitting in somebody's church all the time. Mm -hmm. An evangelist goes out. Okay, as far as the pastor is concerned, they are called to shepherd a flock. So you should be over your flock that God has charged you with because, you know, God is going to hold you accountable for the people that he has placed in your life for you to steward over. Um, As far as the prophet, you know, prophets are sent they're sent. They're not asked to come normally. <laughs> Most people don't always <laughs> like for prophets. to. Come. If you don't know or accept the gift of a prophet, prophets aren't always accepted. Jesus wasn't accepted everywhere. You know, Jesus, when he was here, he was a prophet. And so they didn't accept him. And John the Baptist, he was out in the wilderness crying, <laughs> the kingdom in heaven. He was eating wild locusts and honey. <laughs> so prophets aren't always accepted in spaces, especially sometimes in churches, because people like to hear the fluff. You know, Jesus, when he went in the temple, he flipped the table over. He was like, y'all in here stealing? You in here making a mockery of my house? (laughs) He flipped the whole table. (laughs) (laughs) The religious folks like, wait a minute. And then he was healing people on the Sabbath. They were like, what? Surely Mm -hmm. this man is not of God. Surely he's Beelzebub. And Jesus like, I'm the son of God. You don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. prophets aren't always accepted. Apostles as well. I mean, but prophets, you know, if you read scripture, a lot of things happened when the prophets came on the scene, you know, they could do things, you know, just something that, I mean, water from a rock you know, Moses, he split a whole sea. Man, I still wish I was there for that one. But Mm -hmm. Moses parted a whole sea. Jesus, you know, performed miracles, you know, water into wine. And he fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it's a beautiful gift. And you can't really worry about that because you have to speak what the Lord is telling you to speak. And let's see, apostles. I wanted to get to the apostles. And apostles helped build and plant churches. Jesus, they were disciples, but they were also the 12 apostles. And so the apostles are who wrote the books, you know, really pretty much in the New Testament. And apostles help plant churches. They help steer churches in the things of God. You know, true apostles do. And they really want to see the church grow. They want to see the people added to the kingdom of God. They don't want to just see, you know, something stunted. They really want to see the works of God manifested in the earth. And so that's how I kind of gave a synopsis, but, you know, and I'm not saying you can't operate in more than one gift. I won't say that either because you can, but that's how you started to cultivate it. If you're a prophet, you need to be find A school of prophets. I think that's very important, but prophets are really trained at the Lord. You know, I can kind of speak on this, my niche right here, but (laughs) we really are trained by God and we are trained by him. You're not chosen to be a prophet. You're called to be a prophet by God himself. And I think that's all the fivefold really ministry gifts. You're called to that and you could grow into the gifts. You know, I was a teacher for years. And then in 2016, the Lord decides he's going to tell me, (laughs) I'm going to share with you the oracles and mysteries of God. I'm like, what, what does that mean? (laughs) What what are you saying to me right now, Jesus? So I actually told my husband first and I said, babe, and he's like, okay. (laughs) And I go and look it up and because I didn't know what all of the terms meant. And I looked it up and I was like, oh my gosh. And it's in scripture, you know, and he took me on a journey because as a prophet, I think any of the fivefold gifts really to operate fully, you have to be in the word and you have to have a relationship with God and you have a real reverence for God. That's why it's such a beautiful gift. That's why he gave it. You know, Mm -hmm. he said for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So once you realize that it's not even about you. And I think that's the biggest thing, you know, you get so hung up. I I don't know. I don't know why people, you know, man does this, but you get so hung up on yourself and it was never about you anyway.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's about the people, you know, it's really about the people. And so I think cultivating your gift, it takes time especially prophets, you need to guard your ear and eye gate. Like I think believers should anyway, all believers, whether you operate in the office or not, (laughs) we should. Um, but fivefold ministry gifts, God does hold us at a much higher accountability because you are responsible for people. Yes, you are. Mm -hmm. And God's going to hold you accountable. And that includes myself. I'm not leaving myself out. (laughs) God's going to hold you accountable and yes indeed he will and you better be found with not a lot of blood on your hands and you have damaged people's souls and so I won't go too far into that because that's a whole nother subject for another day but as far as you whoever I'm speaking to and you know you have these gifts don't take it for granted don't manipulate gifts. That's not of God. Don't use it to get yourself something. You shouldn't do that. And so that's not of God. That's not of God. And he's not pleased with that. So find a school of prophets. I say, I really want to do something. Remember Tatum? I kept talking to you about that sweetheart. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I
1: really want to do something because you do need to be activated in your gifts. You know, I've been doing it for like, what, three years, almost three years now, I guess. I'll come on. You can be stirred by a song, things you see. There are a lot of ways that your gifts can be activated.
0: Well, that was all I really wanted to cover. Do you have anything else that you want to add before we let you go? I was trying to just make sure we cover everything because it's so much. But is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap it up? I just want you
1: all to be encouraged. I want you to know that you are a gift from God and that no matter where you are at this moment, you can be who God called you to be and you can do what God has called you to do and what he's equipped you to do. And that it's never too late to start. The best time to start is now.
0: Yes. Well, you guys that wraps up another episode of the blessed and bossed up podcast. I'll talk to you next week.